What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Let's get to you. It's Friday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska. Nebraska Lottery, plenty of Super Bowl thoughts. Of course, we'll have Super Bowl 55 here on ESPN Lincoln. Some of your affiliates uh, with Hale Varsity Radio. Also, we'll have Westwood One coverage. Can't wait for that. Round five between Mahomes and Brady. We'll talk some Super Bowl and plenty of Nebraska football. Ron Brown coming up in 20 minutes. Longtime Nebraska assistant, former director of player personnel. So Coach Brown in about uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, in hour two, the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. No doubt we'll have some thoughts on the Frost Presser yesterday. And, of course, some Super Bowl takes. Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. In an hour, I got to talk to him to see if he was part of the Bruce Springsteen Jeep commercial in Hastings or not, or if he was doing a... A, uh, a Denver mattress shoot that day. Bruce Springsteen came back to Bill Dolman's native state. We should say rumored Jeep commercial. It's not not officially confirmed. Maybe, maybe he just wanted a, a piece of pie and or cake and coffee, cup of coffee in in Hastings. He just wanted, I mean, Hastings is a. Oh, I can't say that. I mean, it's a. It, it, it's an affiliate. See, yeah, I just say maybe he just wants to see the beautiful central Nebraska. You know, uh, maybe he wants to just truck down Osborne Expressway. Oh, yeah. Right? Maybe. <laughs> we we did a ball game in Hastings. God, how long ago was that? I don't know. Junior played in Hastings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still, I mean, they're still working on that statue of the most legendary three-point shooter in Hastings. Ben Bolte. Led the world in attempts one season. Really? Just ask him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we will uh, we'll talk to Bill Tolman. And then uh, longtime former chief... And Husker stand on. We'll get some thoughts on the Chiefs and uh, also the uh, the Bucks matchup. Eric Warfield going to be with us in hour two. The mother of all steak and beer bets will happen following our conversation with Eric Warfield. Are you ready, Elijah Herbal? Oh, I, I'm, I've got a uh, rebound to the Celtics. Kevin Garnett over on points. Kevin Garnett over on rebounds. So you're just going go, uh, <laughs> to go the mother of all parlays on me. Yeah, here. I'm just going to uncut gyms on you, son. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that leads us into a happy Gilmore moment because Dustin Johnson went full happy Gilmore. And this does relate to what we'll get into with Nebraska's reconfigured Big Ten schedule. But this was hilarious. This was in Saudi Arabia, over in Dubai, and Dustin Johnson, uh, well, he's accurate. And if he's going to miss it, miss it left because the flag is right. Right leg nearly came up off the ground there. Went after that. Oh. Gentleman oh. standing there. They've got him on the padding. He's getting so. up quick. You can take away the pain, but you can't take away the swelling. <laughs> Let me hear that pain and swelling. How do you take pain away 
uh, and 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 not the swelling. You can take away the pain, but you can't take away the swelling. Okay, this is the perfect segue into discussing 2021's football schedule. Oh, pain and pain and swelling, right? And you look at Nebraska. Whew. Now things are reconfigured, right? But this really boils down to how do you start and how do you finish, right? And and then you know what what type of sandwich or lunch meat is is in the middle? Is it a spoiled egg salad? Is it wonderful roast beef? Are you a, a roasted turkey guy or gal? Listen, uh, things are reconfigured, and um, what I can say about this is Purdue comes to Lincoln. Nice. You're not going to Purdue for three years in a row. Wisconsin not asked to come to Lincoln for a third consecutive year, although last year was canceled. So Nebraska is in Madtown before they get Black Friday in Lincoln with Iowa. That's been fixed. Thank God. The Shermanator, uh, way back when, thought it'd be a great idea to play P.J. Fleck in Minnesota on Black Friday for a stretch. That has been corrected. Minnesota will end with Wisconsin for Paul Bunyan's axe. Nebraska and uh, Iowa will hook up again on Black Friday. They got to do that due to the COVID last year. This year it will end the regular season. You know, and just the feedback from Nebraska fans, they're bracing themselves for some pain and some swelling potentially. Oh, pain. With this schedule. So, listen, we don't know what's going to happen. I would put my money, your money, and uh, Elijah's money that there's no Ireland roadie. This is how Cranach's going to spend the hour tomorrow morning, lobbying for a trip to Ireland. He's been there before. (laughs) He's well-renowned. He wants to go back. He wants to do a show from Ireland. So do I. I don't think that'll happen. So there's still some discussion whether or not you keep the week zero set up if if you do not go to Ireland. Do you have the regular first part of September start? I don't know. A couple of, of buys are, are configured in for Nebraska, middle of October, which isn't a bad thing. And then you get that that first buy, theoretically, um, after the Illinois game. You'd have a couple of weeks off before you hook up with Lance Leopold and, and a really good Buffalo team before you head to Norman, and then you get Sparty. Listen, you can search for, for four wins. You can search for a lot of coin flip games at first glance right now as we talk in February while winter conditioning's going on before we see anything we like or freak us out during spring football. You just pray that you get, if you're Nebraska, you get uninterrupted development. You're, you're getting that with strength and, and, and winter conditioning now guys are are working out they're working hard great you need the um, the padded development that you get with spring football you know that that did not happen last year that's part of the reason uh, again identity is paramount for this offense you kind of know what you got back defensively you can maybe get a little bit more advanced defensively or just keep doing what you're doing and be better against Illinois next season. I, I, to me, you break this thing down into quadrants: Illinois, Buffalo, OU, Sparty. Do you go three and one, two and two? At best, you you know. At worst, you got to go two and two because you got to get to a bowl game next year. You you need to not go 
dare I say it, four years and counting without a bowl appearance when everyone gets to go bowling. The schedule's not easy. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you have Michigan added to this. So your crossovers are Ohio State and Michigan, and you're on the road at Wisconsin. That sucks. But it's time to kind of put your big boy pants on and, and win some of these big, big-time big matchups. That's why you are allowed into the Big Ten. And with a defense coming back, you feel okay about the offensive line. That's what Scott Frost touched on. Derek Peterson had a nice question to Frosty about the offensive line. They should be a group you can truly lead on this year. Should, should, should. And then maybe you've got some guys that emerge at running back. Maybe you get some development at wide receiver. Maybe you get a quarterback set up where Adrian plays well, he plays healthy, and he plays pretty mistake, i.e. turnover free. It can be okay for Nebraska. And if, if they do get to seven wins, which would be an incredible feat with this schedule, I think you'd take it. But if you get to seven wins, that means you're not dropping – uh, a game to Purdue. That means you're not dropping a game to Southeast Louisiana, and I don't think they would or should, but you just never know. That means you're not dropping a game to Buffalo. That means you're winning on the road against Sparty. That means you're going to beat the nemesis that is Northwestern in Lincoln. How do you hook up against Michigan? How do you hook up against Ohio State? So the good thing here, too, is you are not getting Oklahoma and Ohio State so close together. You'll get a pretty good measuring stick uh, of what your defense can do and what your offense is going to be like uh, against Ohio, against Oklahoma early in the year, right? Third game of the year. Where do you go from there? What's that contest end up being like? How do you bounce back with another road game, consecutive road games against Michigan State? And then by the time you get to November, You need to be playing great football. You need to be healthy. You need to be maximizing the recruiting classes you've been stacking up. And you need a nice finish, right? Bill Callahan said it. And before you throw things at your radio, a lot of things Bill Callahan said and did that you disagreed with. But he was right on about remembering November, right? I mean, because how do you close the year? That used to be a strength of Nebraska football. And can you close out the right way? Uh, with Ohio State, with Wisconsin, with Iowa. That's a finish. That is a absolute close. But it's the, te- it's the same type of close other teams in your league have been doing. The close for Minnesota during their 11-2 season was not nice for them. That's where they lost their two games, two out of three before they won their bowl game. As good a season as they had, you're going to – limp to the finish line in the league. Even Ohio State isn't as as ready to rock by November because they're they're playing really tough teams consecutively. That's the hallmark of an impressive team. How do you navigate that tough start? How ready are you? How much better are you by the end of the year when you're going to be going up against super physical, highly ranked Really talented football teams, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, with southeastern Louisiana squeezed in there. Uh, As you look at it on paper, you finish out 0-3 in November. No one's happy. Can you go 1-2? Can you, dare I say it, go 2-1? Hell, 3-0 would be great. People would be partying, you'd be off to a bowl game, and the narrative and mood would change incredibly. 
but that's a long time away. If I'm a Nebraska fan, get me a good start. Play well against Oklahoma. Beat Buffalo. Go drink a Guinness in Ireland. And then finish November with a way to beat Iowa. Figure out a way to get in against Wisconsin and see where you're at against really um, an Ohio State team that will be loaded, be good, but also be uh, dealing with uh, a new quarterback and a new secondary and a new defense. So we're in, we're in February talking about Nebraska's schedule, but it's released. Changes are positive. You have Iowa for Black Friday. You are spacing out Oklahoma and Ohio State. That's okay with me. Two measuring stick games, one at the beginning of the year, and then you really got two measuring stick games for your own division. And then the big picture, the national ranking measure stick game, Ohio State, because you know Ohio State's going to be your favorite to go to the playoff again out of the Big Ten, theoretically. I'm going to come into this with it with a glass half full take because I'm looking at this schedule and obviously the Big Ten schedule is brutal, but we're playing in the Big Ten now. This is what we knew we were going to be getting ourselves into when we joined the Big Ten. It's going to be a grind every single time we get into the conference slate. So I'm going to look at the, the non-conference games um, and I'm going to count Illinois kind of because it's early in the season uh, into that because Illinois new coach they're going to have one less week to prepare than they usually would because they're playing in that week zero Nebraska should win that game and I think it's going to be probably the biggest loss in the Frost era if he were to lose that game you've got worse to, than last year's Illinois ball game well this is an Illinois team with a new head coach they're bringing in new schemes and they're having one less week of their fall camp to practice. If Nebraska can't get that win, I am going to be so disappointed in Scott Frost and, and the Nebraska team as a whole just because of, of the situation at Illinois. Nebraska it, could be very easily 0-3 against the Illini. Very easily. Right? I mean, you, you had the last year was last year where they bludgeoned you. Turnovers helped, obviously. And then you, you eked out a, a win in Champaign. And then you, you, they turned it over, and you, you outscored them in eighteen. I mean, but yeah, so if, if Nebraska isn't looking at that week zero matchup circled already, saying these guys embarrassed us at home last year, I, I don't know what to tell the Nebraska football program. But then you come right off that, and you're going to have your learning lessons in the bye week. You can take your lessons, and then that's before you go to Buffalo, who should be a step up from Illinois. To be hundred percent honest with you, mm-hmm. they're, sure. they're depending. They're, well, they're losing their running back. We'll see what they are at quarterback, but you know they got a. Damn good coach and Coach Leipold. He's going to have those guys ready to play. So you get the step up to Buffalo, and that's kind of the test for yourself. How good are we this year? We're going to play Buffalo. And then after that, could be 1-1, and could be 2-0. Two and, two and oh. I hope to God they're not 0-2. Then you get Oklahoma, and that's kind of your we'll, – we'll, we'll see how good we are against the I'll, top I'll, teams I'll, in the say, I'll say this. Um, I don't like playing Buffalo, and I don't like playing Buffalo the week before you're looking ahead to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Honestly. I mean, you want to talk about maturity and focus, which you should have with the number of seniors and six-year guys coming back. You should be able to handle Buffalo before Oklahoma, but I don't like where it's sandwiched, Mm. period, because you're asking 18 to 22-year-olds. I mean, it's not good in the NFL some weeks where, in case in point, you look at Vegas' schedule this year, right? I mean... Vegas had some really up-and-down performance. Just as an example, you know, they, they were circling Kansas City trying to sweep the Chiefs, and they had some really uneven performances leading up to that game. It happens. It happens in sports where you're more excited to play somebody and you're not paying attention to what's on your plate, and it could be difficult. Uh, I love the fact that Nebraska gets Michigan. I love the fact Nebraska gets Michigan and Lincoln for the first time 
since 2012. I mean, Nebraska's gone to Ann Arbor a handful of times. Randy Gregory planted his flag there in, in 2013. Nebraska knocked out uh, uh, shoelaces in the 2012 game, really stymied a, a, a decent Michigan team. But, hey, let's see how you do against the big boys. You get a bit of a break with the reconfiguration. I love the non-conference setup for the Big Ten. We'll get more into that. Yeah, I love non-conference game in November. Finally, the SEC's always had that advantage. Now we get that. Well, the the, the Power 5 non-conference matchups in the Big Ten, pretty good showcase. Ron Brown is next. We'll sit down with the coach. Kind of go over some things with uh, Ron Brown next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Excited to talk some football. We say hi to a longtime Husker, Husker assistant and a guy that uh, we used to call basketball together. We say hi to Ron Brown. Coach, you miss, right. you miss some hoops? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Yeah, yeah, hoops is different these days uh, as well, but... Uh, I, I get to watch a little bit here and there, but I do miss the broadcasting with you, Schmidt. Uh, you had the classic voice and the classic play-by-play, and I was a rookie trying to keep up, man. That's all I was trying to do. All I'm going to so. say is your ba- your back hurt. Your back hurt from carrying me, man, for no, one of those no championship way. Saturdays, six straight games. That, that was uh, that was a good time. That's right, man. That's well, right. I got to ask. So, are we going pizza, wings? Italian beef, Chinese, what is on the menu for the Super Bowl? Oh, man, for me, it's whatever my dear wife wants to make <laughs> at that particular time. I, I don't I don't think I'm going to order out, but I may bring some baked lays, ruffles, or something like that, you know, a little snack food like that to go along with it. All right, so, so you're into chips, and, and I've kind of pulled the guests this week, and I, I've got a buddy that's doing kind of a Korean pulled pork. Uh, I am going to probably do the the air fryer chicken wings because I've perfected that. Uh, and and I'm thinking, you know, probably probably some pizza. I'm probably thinking some pizza too. Wow, that's like uh, running into an eight man front there, boy. That's a lot of beef right there, boy. Well, <laughs> I, I will need to uh, to get a workout plan uh, stat. So let's start with some Super Bowl. And you've had. Uh, a lot of experiences in your career with so many players and coaches in, in all different levels between Mark, Mark Donovan uh, that you can get into a little bit, but also the Nebraska you know, impact with this Tampa squad is, is pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Uh, starting with uh, Jason Light. Yeah, uh, J- Jason, of course, was one of our offensive linemen here back in the day, and I've talked to Jason a few times over the years. And uh, what a phenomenal job of uh, putting together the right kind of players. And boy, a, G- a GM's job never seems to end, Schmitty, because you know that's not only uh, who you draft, like a Lamonte David or or Khalil uh, Davis. But um, but it's also being able to get an acquisition like uh, Ndamukong Su, you know, and and to, to go along with it. So uh, hats off to him, and of course 
Kansas City has a phenomenal operation, and the president of the Kansas City Chiefs um, is one of my former players. When I coached at Brown University in the Ivy League, I was a 25-year-old back in the day, uh, 25-year-old head freshman coach at Brown, and uh, my quarterback was Mark Donovan, who is now the president of the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, I'm kind of rooting for everybody in this game, you know? No, I, I would imagine uh, the connections you have, and, and let's see if it's a, a, a great ball game. And, you know, you were on staff at Nebraska. What do you remember about Levante in Lincoln? Also, what do you remember about Sue? Well, uh, two great players, difference makers. Um, you know, uh, uh, Levante was a, um, a very quiet young man, you know, very unassuming. You never really knew he was around until the lights went on and for practice or, or a game because uh, he just didn't say a whole lot, but uh, was a very diligent guy, uh, very modest, but t- tenacious player, difference maker, outstanding player. You know, I just, I've always remembered, I mean, he had a lot of highlights, but I do remember the 2011, 2011 game against Ohio State here rainy night. Uh, they're up by three touchdowns. Levante David causes a fumble, I believe, in that game that turns the game around. Rex Burkhead uh, has a great second half, but what a comeback. One of the greatest comebacks we've had here, and we beat a, uh, a Braxton Miller-led for a while-led team. You know, Braxton got hurt. That wasn't uh, a, a very much of an advantage for Ohio State either, but all said, uh, Levante had a great career and is having a great career in the National Football Football League, happy for Khalil being drafted there, and of course Nadamakong was a phenomenal player. Um, you know, the best defensive lineman, arguably, that college football's ever seen, and uh, he's had an outstanding pro career as well. So happy for uh, Big Sue for um, you know his career, and and he has an opportunity to to play here in another Super Bowl. Ron Brown's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Ron, when we look at, at what's going on in college football. And just the the roster management that is required, you know, signing day, the, the second part of it just wrapped up this week. And when it comes to the portal, you know, how big of a juggling act is it for a head coach in college football, staff in college football with this ability for kids to leave and, and not lose a season? Yeah, you know, it's really it's really tough. It's tough sledding. It's tough stuff. Uh, Schmidt, you know, there were 1,500 kids, I believe, close to about 1,500 kids in the transfer portal um, this year. Um, it, it's just open season. I mean, it is uh, anytime you make it easy to transfer um, when things aren't going exactly the way maybe a kid wants it to go or the grass might be, in his mind, greener somewhere else, you open up a Pandora's box. And, um, you know, it, it's there are a lot of mixed reactions to it. Uh, there are probably some legitimate legitimate reasons mm-hmm. for transfer, but um, it's, um, uh, you know, there's also a lot of um, really – uh, washouts in the, in that as well. I mean, there's a lot of guys that uh, that slide backwards 
in the transfer portal. In fact, many of them do. Now, you see the Joe Burrow story, um, and so you go, well, there's a guy who did it and was a Heisman Trophy winner. But uh, that's probably much, much more probably the exception to the rule. So uh, you got to be careful. I think we, you know, it, it, there used to be a good old-fashioned uh, mentality of uh, try harder. Um, you know, if you went down the depth chart, uh, go ahead and uh, see if you can climb back up or, or battle through things or, uh, you know, or, or not only accept your role, but, but um, you know, uh, maximize that role, whatever that is. But today, Schmitty, it starts even when it's young, way back in, in the middle school and, and all of the, you know, the junior leagues coming up. Uh, people are transferring from one team to the next. I need to be used better. I need this better. I need that better. High school coaches are pulling their hair out because uh, they'll have uh, they'll have a, uh, a completely different team almost every year now. I mean, there are some high school kids that are transferring to four different high school. I mean, they're in four different high schools uh, in their career because they're looking for that special moment. So it's a massive, massive thing. It's it. No one has been able to stop it. There is no magic touch that anybody has to keep guys from transferring. And particularly, you know, when you get schools like our school, Nebraska, mm-hmm. and you get other schools, particularly out in the Midwest, who are who are are not only tr- recruiting kids in the greater 500-mile radius, but they're also recruiting kids on the coast, both coasts and, and the south as well. I mean, it's like it's recruiting is like three point shots. And when you hit them, okay, it's good. But the idea to keep them there now is much tougher because of the transfer portal. So I'll tell you what, man, it's it's and and you know what, Trimity, I would say, honestly, that it's a reflection of the culture at large. Mm -hmm. It's very, very it's much easier to to lose relationships. I mean, we have um, and and look, I don't want to get over dramatic in it. But but we live we live in a world where fatherlessness has increased. So people are not with responsibilities, uh, you know, like we like like we used to have back in the day. Marriages break up very easily. Uh, people are in transit all the time. Uh, job turnover. Um, we see coaches hired and fired faster than a lamb can shake its tail. I mean, it's almost like every couple of years in a lot of schools where there's a new coach, there are some position coaches, uh, you know, uh, where you'll have a, you'll have in a, in a kid's career, five years, let's say if he stays at a university um, and he redshirts a year and he's got his four years, he may have five different position coaches. And so – it's just it's it's um, it's kind of like open season in the transfer world, not only for these young college athletes, but our whole American culture seems to be that way. Ron Brown's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Yeah, yeah, kids want stability, coaches want stability, the uh, the world at large would like stability, and our there's no way to to unring the bell with the transfer option. So, what's the best way to adapt to it? Well, you, you have to be light on your feet, but I, I think the one thing you've got to guard against is trying to fit every single kid into that peg. You need to develop the shape of your peg 
and you need to develop the kid to the best of your ability to fit that shape. But you can't keep changing your uh, foundation as a team, as a as a as a staff. You can't keep you know trying to make everything fit that particular kid because you're going to have mass chaos. I mean, listen, you know there are just some house rules. Uh, there are some standards. There are some some landmarks. There's a foundation that every great corporation, every great team, every great family, every great church, every great institution ought to have. And, and to some degree, people need to bend and fit and match that which is the case. Give you a case, case in point. Mm-hmm. So if there's a kid from... from uh, from the state of Florida who plays at the University of Florida and then he gets drafted by the Green Bay Packers, what are you going to do? You're going to just say, well, I'm not going to the Packers because it's too cold there. Going to buy some long johns, man. Yeah, I mean, you you have to adapt. It's not going to be, everything's not going to be just sunny and 70 for you throughout your life. And that's part of greatness. You know, one of the things, there was one young man, I won't mention his name, who was about to transfer here, and he said, Coach, Coach Brown, what do you think? What do you think I should do? And I looked at him and I said, look out the window there. And I pointed to the statue of Tom Osborne and Brooke Berenger. And I said, you see that guy next to Tom Osborne? He said, yes, sir. I said, that was a backup quarterback. He's, he's on a statue. He was a backup quarterback that could have transferred. But you know what? He battled through things that most people don't battle through. And he not only did he battle through things, he got a chance, took incredible advantage of that chance, helped lead us to a national championship, but then had to go through the difficulty of, of being a backup player again, and, and yet he battled through that and became one of the greatest team players we ever have seen here and one of the most influential guys that's ever been in the state, Brooke Barringer. And they, ha- they have a statue of that man. And, and, and what a great example of perseverance, endurance, seeing, you know, following through with a commitment. Um, we just don't see much more of that these days, Schmitty. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, more with longtime Nebraska assistant Ron Brown. Coach, uh, topic of, of criticism's been uh, something we've spent time on. Kind of take me through how, in your world, you've been able to navigate that. You know, some, some of the criticism is very just and deserve it, and some of the criticism is not. And that's usually the case in most people's lives. And listen, I think we've, we've, moved, we've moved into a culture more so where we can't handle any more criticism. And, and I don't think that's very realistic to expect that, and I think it's, in fact, it's very damaging. If you're constantly running away from criticism, you're always on the move, you're scooting, you're concerned about what people are saying about you in social media. Look, here's the deal, man. If you're going to be criticized, be criticized for doing right things. And what I mean by doing right things, it doesn't mean that every move you make will turn into gold. But what it means is is that you are foundationally, with a high level of effort and integrity, are doing that which uh, gives you the best God-given chance 
to succeed at your particular endeavor. And, and you do it the right way, and you do it in a way that when critique comes unfairly, you can look it square in the face and say, you know what? Thank you. I appreciate that. But you know what? I'm going to push right on through that. You keep your eye on the ball and you keep moving forward. If you're if your head is constantly on a swivel with the next criticism or even the next compliment that you're constantly looking looking for, uh, you're going to be a guy that misses the ball because your head has to remain still and your eyes need to remain fixed. So yes, is there adjustment? Is there plans for improvement? Is is there a need for all that? Absolutely. But criticism, you know, I, I really believe that criticism sometimes that friction turns into traction. And and oftentimes people allow criticism to do something good. Number one, you you get into some examination of yourself and to see if there be anything in me that isn't quite right. It's good to look inside and take inventory uh, on a regular basis. But on the next uh, realm, committee, you've got to make a decision and you can't live for the masses and the crowds and the next voice that uh, screams bloody murder at you because you didn't win enough games. And I learned that from Tom Osborne. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coaching for Coach Osborne those 11 years in 1990, we I just always remember coming back to the to the office after the holiday break there, after the Citrus Bowl, we lost uh, to the to Georgia Tech. They they won a national championship. They tied Colorado. We we lost to both of those teams, and we lost three out of our last four games. And it seemed like everybody was down on us. People wanted us out, and we finished 24th in the nation, nine and three, which is really a good year, but not a great year for us in comparison to where we had been. So what 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 Coach Osborne said is, guys. And he was being gracious about it. He said, if you guys can get another job, um, the people aren't very happy with here, happy with us here, we may be fired. So you better, maybe you ought to look. And, you know, nobody wanted to leave. And he was just being a gracious man. He wasn't saying, hey, you know, you got to stay with me on this thing. But I, I really appreciated his humility. And nobody left. And right after that, Schmitty, then that, right before that 91 season is where we instituted the Unity Council, mm-hmm. where we started to take great accountability over the program. We had a lot of little empires. You know, we had the strength uh, department, which was outstanding. We had a great training staff. We had uh, we had a, a well-known football staff. Our, our, our recruiting was, you know, had been always good. But you know what, Schmitty, we got, we got uh, divided a little bit. We weren't all on the same page. We needed more accountability. We got a little slack and a little bit, uh, you know, we had a little bit of a, too much of a swag, too much of an ego thinking that it's Nebraska, so it's all automatic. Coach Osborne uh, humbly and, and, again, admiring, I admire the man so much because he, he dug down deep. He searched deep. What do we need to do to really look under the hood and fix that which was causing the car to smoke? And, and he did. He, he started tweaking things. And, but, but it wasn't like any major, major things. It was just bringing us together. And a lot of it was just basic foundational attitudinal things. Love for one another, um, staying on the same page with one another, communication, getting our players more involved in leadership and accountability. And uh, I'll tell you what, 
you know, that 91 season, it didn't seem like it changed a whole lot. We tied Colorado for the big, uh, excuse me, for, yeah, for the big A championship. We got killed by Miami in the Orange Bowl again. And then the next year in 92, we came back to win the big eight title. We played Florida State in the Orange Bowl and we lost like 28 to 14, I think it was. So we were getting better. You could see something was happening. And then in 93, we went undefeated to the whole season. We lost to Florida State in the national championship game, a game that we could have we could have won. We had some tough things go against us that day, but you could see we were a different team. And then of course 94, 95, 96 we came close to winning uh, a, a third straight national championship. 97 we came back and tied Michigan for the national championship. And I look at all of that, Schmidt, and I say, well, what what turned the tide there? It wasn't. It was a combination of things that took place, particularly that culminated from the 1990 season. If you had fired Tom Osborne then, uh, like a lot of schools are doing these days with, with with coaches, when they fall into these situations, you would have never gotten what you eventually got, which was arguably one of the greatest runs in college football history. So I think I think probably 75, in my opinion, yeah. probably like 75% of the coaches in this country have been fired maybe before it's time. And, and now every time you fire a coach, you have to now reinvest and dig a new foundation, and it takes that much longer to get it back up again in most cases. What was going through your mind? Because you guys were cranking out top 10, top 12 every, every year. You know, the, the 90s run was kind of the predecessor to what Bama's doing now. Yeah, but you see, that, that was the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You, you can never win a – see, Schmitty, when we were, when we were 10 and 2 and 9-3 and, uh, and three and all of that, you know, you, you, people were saying, wow, you, you know, people around the country might say, wow, that's pretty good, Nebraska's pretty good. But the people in Nebraska were like, wait, wait a minute, we want a national championship. We want what Barry Switzer got at Oklahoma. We want what those teams are doing. Mm-hmm. It's all relative. And quite frankly, and Nick Saban may even feel this, he's won seven national championships as a, as a head coach, but um, he may feel like you can't win enough. Michael Jordan might think, you know, I've won six NBA titles, but that wasn't enough. You know, they, listen, there's, you can never make enough money. You can never have enough national titles because every situation, is, there's going to be a relative appeal where somebody's going to say, yeah, but we should be this, we should be that. I mean, people today would love to have the records that we had back in the day, you know, where we were winning nine games. Uh, people would give anything to see us win nine games uh, this next year. And we would love to see us win nine games this year. But there was a time when nine games wasn't enough. So, Shemitty, how do you play that game? You, you can't. You can't play that game. That's just the, the whole point. Mm-hmm. You have to define success differently than just how you compare uh, from one season to the next and so forth. It's about maximization of your talent each year, and it's, it's, it's about making sure that you're doing things right to the best of your ability. And you have to live with the, you have to live with the criticism. You have to live with the compliments. You have to be obviously resilient in criticism. We have to be gracious and humble in, in, uh, in comp- compliments and in prosperity. And we have to keep um, you know, putting our nose to the grindstone and staying very, very character-based, um, That making sure that this program is always going to be uh, at a top level in terms of character, integrity, work ethic, and maximization of the abilities that we get. 
And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Ron Brown's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, this was uh, an incredible sit-down. I can't thank you enough for making the time that you do for me. And I just love talking ball with you and getting your perspective on things. Well, I, I th- thank you, Schmitty, and I and I just you know I, I want to say and I say that authentically. Yeah, I'm a fan of Nebraska. I love Nebraska. I'm a fan of Scott Frost. I'm a, I love him. I mean, I remember him as a player uh, in the in the relationship that we had, and and I've seen him develop into a coach, and obviously um, tremendous talent, one of the greatest pedigrees of all. But he inherited a very difficult situation. He inherited our situation here in Nebraska, something that was very, very different uh, from what it had been in the past with Devaney, um, uh, Osborne, and Solich. You know, that was a very different deal. Now you've got changes, quick changes, and now it's a deeper hole than ever. But So, yeah, I'm, I'm asking the fans, obviously, to have patience with us mm-hmm. and, uh, and Coach Frost, but, but we're also saying, you know what, we're, we're also big boys here. And so we've got to be able to handle the criticism that comes. But the most important thing is that we keep our eye on the ball and maximize our God-given talent. So thanks for having me on, though. I I always enjoy coming on with you. Well, always love chatting with you. So yeah, who are you who are you rooting for in the in the game? Who's your my, my who's your guy for the my, Super Bowl? My heart says uh, probably. Uh, Tampa, but my head says Kansas City, so that's not an answer for you. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to say Tampa, thirty-one twenty-eight. Good. Well, it's okay to be a fan and not a prophet, buddy. You know, I think that's it's probably a lot easier to be a fan than a prophet. Trying to figure out who's going to win isn't always easy. I got you. Coach, but, but rooting for your favorite team—that's easy. No, that'll be good, Coach. We'll do this hey. again. Thank you so much. All right, Schmidt. God bless. Thank you. Ron Brown, long sit down with him, uh, a lot of this first hour, and a lot of things unpacked there when it comes to the portal, uh, when it comes to you know players, and, and also just the uh, the expectation, and you know what the uh, the standard, the uh, the criticism, uh, navigating through all of it, and the ability to kind of keep grinding forward is what uh, Nebraska is going to try and do for 2021. So that'll be posted on the on-demand section, the entire interview with Coach Brown. And uh, that is going to be up, if not already, very shortly. Elijah will make that happen, ESPNLincoln.com. Also, uh, we'll have it uh, posted on the podcast with Hale Varsity and get that with Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and HerdAdMedia.com. The HerdAd platform's phenomenal for podcasts and subscribe. Give us a, a rating. Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you have to say about the podcast and the show. So uh, welcome to that uh, criticism or that compliment, wherever you want to go with it. Bill Dolman's on the way. The Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports coming up. And Eric Warfield, he'll break the Super Bowl down with us. Kind of let the cat out of the bag when Coach asked me my prediction. You know where I'm at. Elijah Herbal will have that stake in a beer bet in one hour, a little less than one hour. And uh, we will have to um, to make it count for sure. I'm on a bit of a run, if I must say so. Every time I open my mouth and say I'm on a bit of a run, that's when Elijah jumps up and kneecaps me <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, and and takes one down. So say You sounded a little too confident there. I just have a weird feeling, and I'm probably way off. It's probably not that hard. 
I know Coach uh, Jim Hansen's weighed in with his prediction, so we'll get that out there. Bill Dolman's on the way. He'll have some comments on the week that's been with Nebraska football, some NFL. Tale Varsity Hour 2 were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. Hour two at Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Really awesome sit down almost all of hour one with ron brown on nebraska football we welcome in the pride of fairberry nbc sports bill dolman with us at bill dolman on twitter billy d uh, you ready for the super bowl this weekend how you doing man you know i've actually uh, kind of forgotten about the super bowl because like most folks i'm looking forward to the world biathlon and the world nordic championships coming up over the next uh, four weeks in uh, in um, uh, Polkilka, Slovenia, and uh, Obertstorf, Germany. Uh, well, so the Super Bowl is kind of secondary. Plus, let's not forget the Great American Race coming up, uh, the Daytona 500 uh, in a week and a half. So those are really where my focuses are, like most people. I, I, I get that. And Germany's kind of my hood. Uh, at least it used to be uh, several hundred years ago. So <laughs> I, 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 I get your thing. Um, so I need to know... Where Bill Dolman was last weekend into early this week, as you are not only a, a fantastic endorsement guy and a male model and pitch man, but uh, rumor has it that Jeep did a shoot in Hastings with Bruce Springsteen. Was Bill Dolman shooting a mattress commercial? Or was Bill Dolman part of this setup with Jeep? Because it wasn't that long ago you were in Leadville, Colorado, doing a shoot for Jeep. Uh, are you talking about uh, the visit by Bryce Saperstein? Yes, yes. As uh, Don Bryant uh, famously uh, once called him uh, several years back. Tell me, tell uh, me know, that. You know, you, tell me that story. Honest, oh, that well, I think that goes back a ways. But it was um, uh, Springsteen was doing a concert in, in Lincoln and, you know, people had been waiting for it for a hundred years. And, um, Don was in the sports information office and, uh, he had an office down at the Devaney center. And, uh, so he had to go down there and people were waiting for tickets or something. I think they were either waiting to get in or they were waiting to buy tickets. One of the two. And, uh, Fox went down to the, uh, Devaney center uh, to go to his office there, but uh, couldn't get there because of all of the uh, Springsteen fans. And he comes back in to the uh, the sports info office at the stadium, like you know, an hour later or something like that. And uh, you know, so he says, "Well, Fox, what are you doing back so soon?" He goes, uh, "That dead gum Bryce Saperstein concert. Uh, you can't get to the day center." <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was code name for Bill Dolman to go pick up some guy named Springsteen from the airport. No, that would have been running a, an errand for a Devaney at the down the end street, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when I when I read that when I read the uh, the, the the Saperstein and Hastings story, it reminded me of like about a hundred years ago, and only in only in Lincoln, Nebraska, would it be a big story that 
Uh, I mean, it was in the Journal Star uh, that uh, I think Art Garfunkel spent the night in Lincoln one day, and somebody spotted him wandering. I don't know if wandering is the right word, but <laughs> he was he was walking down like O Street, you know, what, by what would it have been? Uh, uh, I don't remember the hotels that were around like 30 years ago, but it was a big story in Lincoln that Art Garfunkel spent the night <laughs> at the downtown Hilton or a Holiday Inn or whatever it is these days, uh, and uh, somebody saw him. And I'm thinking, you know, in Lincoln, that's a big story and maybe nowhere else. Did you ever kick it with Harrison Ford when he had his plane repaired here? <laughs> At least they didn't crash it there. No, uh, I know. Yeah, uh, no, that that that, uh, that that didn't happen. So okay. I'm just yeah. uh, you're 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 a you're a high roller brother, and between Springsteen and uh, Art Garfunkel, uh, Harrison Ford, uh, you sit down with uh, spoken word. Uh, master Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. I mean, it's yeah. so. Yes or no? Are you just gonna? Are you are you pulling Omerta on me here with uh, the Springsteen uh, rendezvous this week? Well, I, I thought it was something that he flew into Hastings and then went down to Kansas for some reason. It all it all just seemed kind of odd. But you know, I, I, if he was there, great. I guess we'll find out, won't we? Yeah, or maybe he's just doing a, a live acoustic set, uh, re reliving the Nebraska album. I don't know. So right. Okay, so let's dive in. I know you've kept your ear to Nebraska football. Uh, did you uh, get a chance to to dive much into Frost's presser yesterday? Uh, not much. Uh, it, it, at this point, yeah, I, I'm kind of wondering why why or why is he why is he bothering? You know, uh, I, I get the, that there maybe is an attempt to be transparent and keep people abreast of what's going on with Nebraska football and don't panic because some kid from Omaha decided to go to Oregon and you know who's going to be the the, the play, director of player personnel and which uh, to me seems like a very odd position to be having in college football special teams. So I, I appreciate that, that Scott is meeting the masses in some way, shape or another. And I, I watched a little of it and there was a lot of, uh, it, it kind of an inch deep and a mile wide. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of depth to it. It was just, I think it was just kind of a, Hey, I'm calling to say hi. <laughs> it was the text message of press conferences. Um, you know, so I appreciate the effort, but at this point, what are we, are we really going to know anything? Are they really going to be able to tell us anything? I think it, at this point we're in just kind of a wait and see, you know, deal with college football. There was no news out of the second signing day other than look, Alabama got a lot of great players again. Okay. We got it. Um, you know, it's a disappointing. The kid went to Oregon. Sure. But at this point, I don't think there's really a whole lot new with Nebraska football that you know that he really needs to address. But I guess I appreciate the effort. What's your take on his his reaction to to, to criticism? And we played Sam's question and, and answer about it. And most of us hate criticism. We're, we're human, and there's different jobs where you got to be able to to deal with criticism. And there's been a a more of an effort uh, with with just media interactions with him, not only pressers, but radio hits or newspaper sit downs or or what have you. Right. So, I mean, he's he's trying to be out in front and be uh, admissible, which is fine. But just overall, when he's asked about criticism, I mean, he's still the he's got an elephant's memory is my point. He, he'll remember everything and I think can use it 
or may use it for fuel. But bottom line is this. you got a reconfigured schedule that still has Ohio State, still has Oklahoma, still has Michigan. And I don't think folks are 12 and 20 is one thing and a lot of one-score losses are another thing. But it's how you're losing them that is fueling the criticism. Well, I guess it kind of goes back to I didn't see that part of the the press conference. You know, I guess it goes back to at least he's he's out there and trying to get out front and mm-hmm. and meet the media and not hide behind a record and not you know talk to the press and talk to the fans in some way, shape, or another. So I mean, good on him for that. You know, when I think about the, the the criticism that he has endured, you almost have to go back to his playing days mm-hmm. and even go back to his days at Wood River. Um, you know, when Scott decided to go to Stanford, you know, out of high school, all of a sudden they're, you know, the, the critics were out. And then when he decided to come back, the critics were out. And then when they lost 19 to nothing at Arizona State, you know, the critics were out. And, you know, really at, at, at that time, as, as I recall, you know, other than he had, he had his teammates, he had the coaching staff, but it was really, it seemed to me that was, you know, he had Tom, you know, to, to lean on and to cover for him, you know, as much as, you know, Tom's going to cover for the, the starting quarterback at a school like Nebraska, you know, and then Scott ended up, you know, leading Nebraska to the national championship and, and all seems, you know, right in the world. And then for 20 years, it's, you know, we can't wait to hear, for Scott to come back and be the coach and, and then he, you know, everybody in college football universally said when he got the gig a couple of years ago, this is the perfect hire. And it's the one that made the most sense. And it, and it was, you know, perfect for Nebraska football and all of that. Um, and then things don't go well. And all of a sudden the knives are out again. Um, so it, it is not, it, it's always, I guess, been kind of an uneasy it's hard to say. It's 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 such an uh, an interesting you know way to look at the relationship. It's been kind of an uneasy yet comfortable relationship with Scott Frost in Nebraska. He's a native son, but you know the, when he made the decision to go play for Bill Walsh, with you know not a lot of people would have said, "Well, that's a dumb thing to do," but you know he did it. And so there's always been kind of an uphill, you know, to it. Um, not the natural fit. Uh, that I think people would have, you know, would feel like the relationship is had he gone directly to Lincoln out of Wood River. So, uh, but when he came back, you know, the, the expectations were so high, but so universally accepted, and things just haven't gone right. So it, it's it's an, it's an interesting uh, time, and <laughs> I think right now Scott would probably, you know, wish that they had a season to play right now, right, so that they could get two or three wins, you know. And and things in a row, and things might start to to show optimism. But instead, you've got you know a couple of months to to wait for spring ball, and then you've got an entire summer, and you, we we got to wait till August, and we don't even know where we're going to play when this you know in August, I guess. So it, 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 I think he's doing the best he can to stay out in front before things slip too far down the hill. And like I said, it's always been kind of uphill, but and there has been some slippage. And I think he's doing what he can to maintain some sense of traction that he had when he got the job. Bill Dolman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Bill, the other news out of today was the Husker football schedule release for next season. Uh, that is the uh, the conference schedule. Uh, we already knew who the, the non-conference games would be. Uh, did you get a chance to look at the schedule today? And uh, what did you think if you did? 
I did not, other than uh, it's my understanding that the uh, the game with Iowa is back where it should have been, which only uh, only brought back to mind how inept Nebraska's leadership and uh, has been, you know, prior to Bill Moose, uh, you know, taking over the, the decision to say, well, whatever, whatever you want us to play and whoever you want us to play uh, at the end of the season, that's fine with us. Was just it, one of the most monumentally stupid and out of touch decisions that I can remember, you know, anybody in leadership at Nebraska making that just made zero sense. Um, you know, and, and that's, we're talking about some major colossal breakdowns in leadership over the last 20 years, other than when Tom was there, but it, it just seems so out of touch for Sean Eichhorst to make that, you know, to allow that decision to be made. And when Bill Moose was saying we need that game to get back, I mean, that, that to me was, you know, showing that, uh, that he knew how important it was for Nebraska to play on that stage Friday afternoon when you've got everybody watching. And so I was glad to see that. And I thought the Big Ten owed it to Nebraska. You know, it was something that, that Bill Moose said that, that we wanted to have. And given the fact that it was Nebraska that was out front to get a Big Ten season going and to, you know, even put Ohio State in position to play for a national championship, it was kind of like, well, that's the least you people in Chicago could do for us is to give us, you know, back um, a stage. Whether we win the game or not, okay, and eventually that's all going to turn around and Nebraska is going to start putting Iowa in, in their place. But I thought it was really important that Nebraska get that Friday afternoon slot when people are watching college football. I mean, it, it's I mean that's a tradition that goes back, you know, to the to the great days of the Oklahoma rivalry, and to regain some semblance of that tradition, I think was very very important for Nebraska to regain, you know, some footing on the college football landscape. And so I was glad to see that. Bill, I don't know if you've had the, the chance to wear uh, Nebraska red around Iowa City, but let me tell you what, you don't get great reactions when you go out there. Um, and I, I think that means that those Iowa fans care about this rivalry with Nebraska, this Black Friday rivalry. Um, do, do you think that this rivalry is at a place or could soon be at a place where it's as big as the Colorado game? Where it's they got to start winning, brother. <laughs> they got to go 0-6. <laughs> they got to start winning. We would talk rivalry, right, Bill? Well, you know, it, 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 this, that's a generational conversation because mm-hmm. I, I sincerely don't believe, and, and I may be the only person that says this, that Colorado thing was not a rivalry. It was, it was ginned up by the Big 12, um, you know, in hopes because Bill McCartney said that this is a rivalry. And I can remember, you know, those days with Tom going, I, I don't quite get this, but uh, okay, we'll play you whenever and however you guys feel about us, that's fine. We're still 25-5-1 over 30 years against you guys. But what, whatever, you know, the, important, the importance of that date for Nebraska football was the rivalry with Oklahoma. Colorado never was going to measure up to the rivalry with Oklahoma, and I don't necessarily think Iowa is ever going to match up to the rivalry with Oklahoma. But to me, it's a much more natural thing for Nebraska and those guys to have a rivalry than Nebraska and Colorado. Mm. Again, that was, that was ginned up by the Big 12. And the Big 12 said, you guys are going to be rivals. And I, I never, ever thought that we bought into it the way, you know, we were just going to say, okay, we're not rivals with Oklahoma anymore. Well, Colorado's it. It just never happened. It has never felt like a natural, you know, Ohio State, 
Michigan rivalry, mm-hmm. Texas Oklahoma rivalry, BYU Utah, which is all about hate. That's a rivalry that just never felt that way. It just felt manufactured, Bill. you know, like an arranged marriage, and that just didn't work. I think oh, Iowa and Nebraska is much more natural. And over time, as Nebraska wins, it'll become much more of a, a traditional thing. But it's going to take some time, and it's going to take Nebraska wins. Twenty seconds, Billy D. Who wins, Kansas City or Tampa? Well, you know, I think it, it. I really think it's Tom Brady's year. Look, Patrick Mahomes has already won a Super Bowl recently, don't you? And I think it's just it's best that you know that somebody else gets in there and gets a chance. So you know, I'm, I, I'd love to see you know Tom Brady you know come back and and uh, you know regain regain some of his former glory years. I also think that Tom Brady is going to make a Hall of Famer out of Levante David finally, who I think is the best linebacker in the NFL. And he's finally getting the attention that he deserves. I think Indominus Sue, you know, uh, puts a stamp on his great career. But I, I'd love to see, you know, Patrick Mahomes step aside and let somebody else have a chance to win a, you know, for a quarterback to win a, a, a Super Bowl. And, uh, and I think the Huskers lead Tampa Bay to the, uh, to the win on Sunday. Gotta love it. Bill Dolman, Pride of Fairbury. Billy D will talk next Friday. Thank you. All right, go Big Red. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, and it's Super Bowl week continued. We have checked in with a lot of Chiefs and a lot of guys who played in the Super Bowl. A unique situation here when we talk to Eric Warfield, longtime Kansas City Chief, standout Husker national champion, multiple times over. Also, Eric, you spent time on the Patriots, man. How are you feeling about this weekend? Thanks for the time. <laughs> I don't think there's much much loyalty that goes towards that. Well, I don't want to say it in a bad way. Sure. Um, there wasn't much time for me to put the care and concern into what happens with the Patriots. Although, having worn the uniform, you know, having gotten a few dollars from them, um, <laughs> I, I've rooted for them over the years. But my, my, my loyalty lies within that, that red and gold uh, over in Kansas City. So, last year we talked – you were heading down, man. You were so excited about a Super Bowl trip. Now, I mean, I think there's going to be more cutouts than people at the old sombrero. Are you uh, taking a second crack at a Super Bowl run, or are you just going to be grilling and golfing before kickoff? So this year, I won't have the disappointment of, of being let down on, on the ticket or overcharge. Um, <laughs> Five. Opportunity had kind of presented itself, but due to COVID rules and the NFL only allowing so many fans, uh, ticket sales. Um, I'm just gonna, you know, play it safe and stay here at home and enjoy it from uh, from my couch. Or I have uh, a couple of friends that are coming. Actually, Neil Smith is coming down. Uh, I'll be watching it with him. That's that's awesome. Neil Smith, great Husker, won two championships with dare I say the D word, but uh, you know, <laughs> Kansas City Hall of Famer, obviously over a hundred career sacks. I gotta ask you this: How the hell's Roger Craig and Tom Ra- and uh, and uh, Neil Smith not in the Hall of Fame yet? There's, a, there's quite a few names that, that have popped up. And, uh, and, and, you know, those two guys have had tremendous careers uh, on, and, and won Super Bowls mm-hmm. and have the stats to, you know, to back their, 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 their uh, way into the, to the Hall of Fame. But for whatever reason, um, you know, the Hall of Fame in the NFL doesn't see it that way. Um, but yeah, both of them, and especially coming from my alma mater, yeah, uh, you you would you would think that. Uh, well, I wouldn't say you would think, but I know I would hope 
that those guys will be in there sooner rather than later. Later, but uh, I don't have a vote in that. So it's just it's just interesting. Eric Warfield's with his standout Husker, longtime chief, and uh, spent a little bit of time with the New England Patriots here on Hale Varsity Radio. Follow Eric on Twitter. That's uh, EA Warfield forty four. That's where yep. you follow Eric on Twitter. So with uh, with Kansas City and and the the Tom Brady factor here with uh, with Tampa. I mean that's the the quarterbacks are the buzz. I know those are guys you loved making miserable uh, Warfield. And you know take me through a couple of thoughts. I guess you have here. What are you looking forward to just from a player's perspective here? on Sunday here. I mean, Brady's the ageless wonder, and Mahomes is a magician. It'll be fun to watch. I mean, it, it, it'll be something that the fans can cherish in a moment of youth versus experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for whatever is worth, everybody wants to see Tom win to get that seventh, seventh ring, whether you're a Brady fan or a Tampa Bay fan or not. <laughs> and on the other side of that, Patrick Mahomes has created such a buzz, and he's gotten so many fans, you know, young and old, all across the U.S. I, mean, I, I keep saying that this comparison of him and Steph Curry and how they have branched their careers out. Mm-hmm. Because you have Golden State fans everywhere, no sure. matter where you are. Steph Curry fans everywhere, just how he changed the game. Uh, and it's kind of the same way with Patrick Mahomes. The guy has changed the game tremendously. And in a fun way, you have no idea what to expect when watching him play. But each and every play is an eye-opening experience of what he has in his tool belt. Um, and so, yeah, you have those two that are kind of going at it to where everybody – and it's not like <laughs> – so throw the May- Mayweather thing out there. All the hype that comes with Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> everybody watches because they want to see him get knocked out. It's the same way with uh, – what's the notorious guy, uh, the, the MMA fighter? Conor McGregor. McGregor, right. McGregor. Everybody wants to see them lose. So they all tune in. And so now it's like you have these two great individuals that are athletes because there's not – I don't. I, I can't relate a bad story with Tom Brady. I can't relate a bad story with Mahomes. So you have these two great individuals that are great athletes. One has had a tremendous career, and the other has, has started his out on a great note uh, with an early Super Bowl win, MVPs, hmm. and all these statutes that he's living up to. Um, hard to not be into, into this game 100% and, and, and really not have a dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, as for me as a former player, I'm, like I said, loyal to my team, uh, the Chiefs, but enjoyed watching Tom Brady. I am absolutely loved watching his career. And even though we had the upper hand from, the, from winning the game this season, you have no idea what to expect. You know, New Orleans Saints went out there and beat them twice this season. But in the game that mattered, Tom Brady steps up. Well, the, the, the overall team steps up for Tampa and pulls out the victory when they need it. So you never know what you're going to get from a Tom Brady-led team. But you also never know what you're going to get from a Patrick Mahomes team. But it will be eye-opening and it will be fun to watch. It's going to be the world's going to watch, and you do anyway for Super Bowl Sunday. Eric Warfield's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, stand out with the Kansas City Chiefs, nine-year NFL vet, uh, Husker uh, legend, and then all Big 8, Big 12 performer and uh, national champion. So, Warfield, what was your experience with Brady? What do you remember about your time in New England? Uh 
he is dialed in at every part of his career. Um, he does he does all the necessary things that it takes to be great. Mm. He wasn't one of those. So in Kansas City, uh, well, I wouldn't say just in Kansas City, and and the NFL from stories that you get from uh, your friends, mm-hmm. uh, colleagues uh, about the guys that are kind of that have kind of made a name for themselves. So like we say, Will Shields, Willie Rowe. Or, or the guys, guys that are all pro, uh, that are up there in age, that kind of get the timing off. Sure. So they don't have to practice every day because you want their best performance on Sunday. So you give them a day off um, just so that they don't wear, wear and tear uh, much of what they have uh, going into a game. Uh, if they make a mistake, they're usually not uh, – Gripe that as much as the younger guys, sure. because they understand that, and the coaches understand that, and they they, they know how to uh, correct those mistakes quickly. But going into uh, New England, uh, Tom Brady made a mistake, and and we're sitting there watching film, and he got yelled at by Brady, just like any other player, and I was shocked at that. And he responded, you know, he didn't respond with a, an arrogant response. You know, he knew he made a mistake, and he accepted it, and he and uh, he goes out the next day. And then we go over it, and it was corrected. Um, and I think Chad Ochocinco mentioned that um, when he went to New England, how everybody's treated the same. And he was surprised also at how Brady was treated uh, just like another player when he went to that team also. Although he's not just another player. We understand who he is. Yeah. Uh, but he just accepts that role because he, he, he knows where he's at, and he also wants to get better and better and better, no matter how many rings he has. You know, I, I think he just mentioned that he wants to continue playing after he's 44, after this year. Um, and I think he has what it takes to do so. Eric Warfield's with us, standout Husker, a longtime chief, and spent some time with New England. That's just it. I think everybody gets some in New England, right? And this has been different uh, for him to go to Tampa, have some influence, kind of be a coach on the field. And, and his diet and routine have allowed him to – to really be incredible at this age. So I want to, I want to go with the, the black shirt uh, angle here. And you know and are a part of that Nebraska fraternity with Sue and Levante and Khalil Davis. Of course, Jason Light's uh, a Nebraska guy from Fremont that's been just tremendous and was able to really do some special things in the front office as GM for Tampa. But you know Sue pretty well. You know Levante pretty well. Your take on what what this moment means for them. Sue's going to a second Super Bowl and just turned 34. Levante just turned 31. And, and he's been like, you know, the Rodney Dangerfield of, of all pros and linebackers yeah. in the NFL because he's amazing. Levante's amazing, but... He's kind of just getting noticed nationally. People who know football know Levante, but just from oh, a, yeah. from an exposure standpoint, we're talking TV sets. He's been on TV a lot this year, and people are going, "Damn, he's great!" Well, he's been great for nine years. What's Daddy this moment? Adam. What's this moment mean for those two? In your opinion, uh, <laughs> you mentioned that they just had a clip on uh, ESPN of Levante doing an, uh, a Zoom cast mm-hmm. with a couple of guys. And he mentions the excitement that he was going through because they won a playoff game to get them into the Super Bowl. He was all teary-eyed and and hugging up players. And uh, Tom Brady caught wind of this. Goes over there and is like, what 
expletive, what the heck are you crying for? We have another game to go win. But Levante was all caught up in the moment of winning his first playoff game. You know, that's big for him. Being being a great player on a a somewhat decent team, to be in this moment, uh, he was trying to experience, trying to enjoy, trying to embrace it. And all of a sudden you got this vet, this uh, this soldier that's gotten all these uh, these these rings, accolades, that uh, knows what it takes to get to the next game. He's not excited about winning this game. He's he's looking forward to the next. And so it's like a difference in uh, in, in emotions there, uh, or uh, of what to expect because Levante's never been there. Mm-hmm. And I'm very very happy for these guys, and especially for Levante because I was there coaching him when I was. Uh, uh, with UNL mm-hmm. under, under Coach uh, Pelini. And I know Sue because uh, he was in Lincoln uh, when I first got back there. So, yeah, I'm very happy these guys get to experience. If they win, I'm, I'm happy for them. Love to, to, to see them uh, with a ring. But first time, first sir, I was, you know, I got to hope that my team wins, you know, and, and that's who I'm pulling for. Uh, I do want those guys to play well, uh, represent themselves, uh, the university, of which they have in a tremendous way. Um, and I'm pretty sure they're going to they're gonna play their hearts out. Uh, but my bet is going against, is going with the Chiefs. So. Eric Warfield's with us. Hail Varsity Radio at EA Warfield on Twitter is where you follow him. Eric, a couple of minutes left, and it's awesome to get caught up. We'll do this again and talk some spring ball here around the corner. Love to get your take on Nebraska. When it comes down to it, what is going to be the difference on Sunday? Who wins and why? I need the Warfield prediction. I mean, I think it does. As all the talk, uh, we, we talked about two quarterbacks, and I mm-hmm. think it really does come down to those two guys. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. More Super Bowl 55 thoughts. Eric Warfield with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. As great as Tom uh, Brady's career has been, you know, he's, he's thrown a lot of interceptions within this system uh, in Tampa Bay. And I think we have an opportunity to capitalize on those. Uh, and as a matter with us, I think we have uh, a tremendous offense to where it's hard defensively to lock in on one guy. And we have two of those out there that are pretty much unstoppable in Tariq Hill and, and Travis Kelsey. So if you're going to try to double one, uh, you're going to leave the other to expose you. So with that being said, I think that we have the, the more complicated, uh, high-powered offense to where we put up the numbers that we need to get this victory. Eric Warfield's with us, Sale Varsity Radio. Eric, uh, a thought signing day just happened. What what was it? I'm going to go to recruiting here. Who recruited you the hardest, and who did you connect with at Nebraska? I just want to kind of since we're since we're just a couple of days removed from signing day, you know how how did Nebraska get your services? So Tony Samuels came. Oh wow, uh, Tony, huh? <laughs> yeah, great. My, that's my dude there. Yeah, I still keep in touch with him. So Tony Samuels came and visited a couple of times, but uh, the the, the the, the thing that sealed the deal was I was having one of my uh, best basketball games as a high school player, and Coach Osborne stepped foot in this place, and the whole freaking arena was just bug-eyed, like, oh, he's here. like, And I didn't 
I, we we kind of got buzzed that he was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and majority of the people there know who Coach Osborne is. And was like, yeah, he made it. And so he steps on the floor, and I, and I was just floored with uh, uh, excitement that, you know, this, this mastermind had showed up to watch me and to recruit me. Um, even though they were they were big on, on getting me there, uh, I just never thought that I would I would see the head guy uh, pop in and watch me play a basketball game. That's awesome. Did you ever did you ever hoop with Osborne? Nah, I don't think he'd want to do that. I don't think he wanted that challenge. <laughs> well, I mean, one on one. I'm saying, I mean, Osborne, and I'll, I would see him working with his grandson, right? You know, and, and T.O. is like just, this is a couple of years ago, and dude's just cranking out reps on the bench, right? And he's got the towel wrapped around his neck, so he's, <laughs> you don't want to mess with him. But I'm just saying. So what's like, your for? 82, 83, somewhere around? Uh, yeah, and this is a year and a year and a half ago. And, and I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't bother him. I was just like, well, homeboy's throwing up weight. <laughs> he's, he's just crushing it on the curls. I'm like, my God, he kicked my butt. But I just want I love to see his, his, his workout, his commitment to his workout. He's been doing forever, uh, keeping his, his, his body in shape uh, since I was there. So, and I love it. You know, he, mm. he, he, he's wanting to extend his life and, and that's, that's what he's doing. Uh, so, you know, more, I, I'm happy for him and his family. That he's he's able to uh, to go out there and continue working out like that. I hope I'm at, I'm I'm able to to, to lift weights and, and jog around uh, when I'm in my eighties. I'm just saying, you and him in horse would be something to behold. I don't know, Chris. I can still shoot a pretty. No, I know. Pretty. I know you can. I, I'm just you're, you're not. You're no longer a volume score, right? I mean, you that, got the, that's true too. You got the efficiency <laughs> thing going. Eric Warfield's with us. Eric, we'll do this again, man. Great to chat. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. There's your chief uh, aficionado. He's going all Kansas City. Staking a beer bed forecast time. And without further ado, all right, let's decide on the steak we're going to purchase. Okay. Are we going to go filet, New York, ribeye, flat iron, sirloin? My vote's always always a good bone-in ribeye. Gotta have the bone so in there. You say bone in ribeye. I know. I know you're a, uh, a fillet guy, though. Well, I'm gonna just say I see your your, your bone in ribeye, and I raise you a bone in fillet. All right, all right. If I, 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 if I, I lose, I, I can make that. I work. had the most amazing bone in fillet of my life with my dad. We were down to see the Chiefs uh-huh. and Bengals for preseason football a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It was Zach Taylor's first game as Bengals head coach. So. The line is at three. Tampa is the dog. Kansas City went nuts the uh, first quarter, week 12. You have Andy Reid after a bye, 26-5. and five. Mahomes averaging 34 a game. Offensively in seven playoff starts. But you have the left tackle issue. This is Jim Hansen's theory. Old Jimbo's weighed in on the email, chris at alevarsity.com. And he's kind of relating it back to the last time Tampa won a Super Bowl. Barrett Robbins went MIA. Adam True, the pride of Pius, got the start at center. But you had the Callahan and Gruden situation where Tampa was a really good football team. But it's not like Gruden didn't know what 
the Raiders' calls were. He had just left. I think the left tackle's an issue. I think that Barrett and Pierre-Paul situation's very real without Fisher. That's Hanson's point in the email. I just think Sue and Levante and Bowles and the Tampa D will learn from week 12. I just, I think that's going to happen. It's going to be between the 20s. And I think Tampa will will not try and be too exotic. I think they'll get some things going with their run game. Give me Tampa 31. Give me the Chiefs 28. You flipped. No, I, I'm still with Tampa. I, th- I thought you went Chiefs with Ron Brown. No. Nope, no. My, my, my head says Kansas City. Okay. My heart, from a Nebraska perspective, and how hard, you know, Levante and Sue and all those guys – We've all, you know, we've talked to him and we've interviewed him over the years. Guys, you, you root for. Kansas City will be back next year. Give me Tampa to win by three outright. Problem here is I agree with you. So you think Tampa? The, the problem is, is left tackle. Uh, it's uh, Eric Fisher, torn his Achilles. Yeah, yeah, Great yeah. Great left tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitchell Schwartz has been out at right tackle for the year. Pretty much like week six. Well, they they have three backup line, and then you yeah. got the you got the Andy Reid kid thing going on. Do you mm-hmm. see that? Where and, that that isn't good. And let's not forget, Patrick Mahomes has been nursing a turf toe in his left foot. He's been struggling to throw the ball to his left. They're going to roll him out, but how bad? I mean, by now he should be like healthy, right? You would think it's been an issue he's been dealing with since regular season. I Vea, Vea's back, so I don't know that the Chiefs are going to be able to run it. Mm-hmm. Now, if Le'Veon Bell can knock the rust off and isn't dinged, I think he could be big against the Tampa defense. So we don't really have a bet then. Are you going to go Kansas City? I'll go Tampa, but I can get even more specific, and then we can, uh, after the break, we can do some prop bets. Okay, so we're we're flipping this around to prop bets. I guess we're going to have to. Because we're both saying Tampa by a field goal. I got Tampa by a touchdown. I got Tampa 34-27 in overtime. Do you think it goes overtime? Wow. I think it goes. Because I think this Chiefs, it's still Patrick Mahomes. He could be knocked or uh, banged up. He, his offensive line could be all This is hell. pretty evil to say with all the Chief fans out there, but couldn't you see like Sue having an episode and like just chasing him down from behind and squishing him? I could. So then you got to run out there, uh, Steve DeBerg or Rich Gannon or. Elvis Gerback or whoever the hell the backup quarterback is for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. What this whole game comes down to, though, for me, is I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady in what could be his last Super Bowl. I'm not going to do that. I think Tampa generates a turnover or two. Uh, I think it's a close one to the end. I got Tampa 34 You know what could happen? Time. Kansas City be like, 17, we'll put up 28 in the first quarter. <laughs> they could. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Okay, over under here for the stake in the beer bet, Tom Brady, passing yards 301 and a half, over under. 301. Write these down. Let me get some paper. Okay. <laughs> There's 7,000 sheets of paper in that studio. But 301. You're going over, under on Brady. I'm going to go under on I'm the going, 300. I'm going under as well. Okay. Uh, Mahomes, 330. Oh, three, 330 and a half. Is he over 330? He does that in his sleep. I'm going over. Yeah, over as well. 
who wins? Tariq Hill. Uh, he had almost 270 uh, when it comes to uh, receiving yards. Does he get 150 over under? 150 for Tariq. Under. Okay. I think him and Kelsey got to combine for another big day if Kansas City's going to win, and that's obvious. Uh, give me some of the uh, the side bets here. So the, the Wait, what, what did you want on Tiger Kill receiving? I think he's right at like one ten. So I'm going to go under. under? Mm-hmm. So we're uh, we're in agreement with our first four bets. Okay, just give me the the props here that they're most most uh, okay, attractive. I, we got a national anthem length right now is set over under a minute fifty nine. You got to do it. I'm going to go over. You're going to go over. I'll go under. I'll flip you on this one. Okay. This is ooh, it's coming down to the national anthem. <laughs> I'll have my phone out with the timer. <laughs> I'll have Rob called Eric Church and say Schmidt's got a bet going. <laughs> Make sure this thing's over. Um, I'm just thinking Gatorade color. Oh, you want to go to Gatorade color already? I could I could talk about the national anthem all day. No, <laughs> Gatorade color. I'll go uh, yellow, lemon lime. Okay, I'm gonna go with clear. Water? You going with water? No, just like it's the ice are clear. I'm gonna go liquid color is clear. Okay, okay. I, I, I kind of follow you, I think. Right. I mean, you, you, yeah, it's it's clear. It'll look clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So clear slash water. Something. I don't think it's yellow is the point. I'm going to oh. go I'm gonna go orange. <laughs> there, okay, odds on favor is orange, I think. I'm going to uh, go with the orange. Followed up by red, and then uh, below that is lemon lime and then clear. Right, we hope it's lemon lime. Um, any other ones that I'm forgetting about here? Oh, uh, I like first one uh, is the. Who do they thank after? Who's the MVP thank? Uh, no, teammates, I, God, or family. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. But but I was gonna go with the uh, the which comes first, a touchdown or a sack. Hmm. I think you're gonna get a sack. Absolutely. I'll disagree with you on that one. I'll go, I'll go touchdown. Okay. I think I think both. Who's the MVP? Plays and then. Is it Brady? Is it Mahomes? Is it going to be Hill? Is it Kelsey? Is it Levante? Is it White? Is it Evans? How about how about Antonio? How about old AB Antonio Brown? Levante David. You gonna go Levante? Uh, I want to, but I probably shouldn't. If I'm gonna be smart, I'm gonna go Tom Brady. I think I'm gonna. I want this take. (laughs) You know, I'm gonna go. Give me. You know what? Give me Brady. Me Brady is the MVP. Why not? So we'll both go Brady in the MVP. So you, you, want, you want the wrap up here on, on what we got? The wrap up? Yeah, sure. We got uh, both of us are under on Brady passing. We're both over on Mahomes passing. Both under on Hill receiving. You're over on the anthem. I'm under on the anthem. You're uh, orange Gatorade bath. I'm yellow Gatorade bath. We're both Brady and the MVP. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. weekend with Hale Varsity. See ya.